All right, guys, I want to actually put one more image on here, but it's actually to frame in what we're going to be talking about here in the book of Genesis. If you've got your Bible, you can go with me to Genesis chapter 8. That's what we're going to be. But uh, to frame it in, we've, we've got this picture. You guys, I don't know if you remember, this was a, you know, maybe three Wednesdays ago. I remember Wednesday because we were on our way to Connection Group, but this thing blasted into the sky. Uh, some of you remember this just a few weeks ago, this incredible rainbow. Rarely do you get to see like the whole thing. And this, so Jet Errant, actually, this is from the Veritas parking lot. Kind of cool looking out over Iowa City and just to see the full arc of this rainbow there. Just so, so beautiful. So here's the deal. Every time you see one of these rainbows, one of these spectacular parts of creation, everybody always says, oh, look, look, there's a rainbow. I remember Teresa, you know, she's going, look, I think, and we're I'm trying to drive and look at this rainbow, you know, just, oh, look, look. But nobody ever says, in that moment, nobody ever says, oh, wow, look at the electromagnetic spectrum being made through the sunlight as it is refracted through tiny little water drops. Nobody says that, right? You're like, whoa, that thing is awesome. And we're going to reserve that word awesome for something like that. Like, that is awesome. That is awe-inspiring. That takes your breath away when you see that kind of stuff, right? Well, here's the deal. God intentionally put that thing in place to remind us of some deeply anchored biblical truths. That rainbow isn't just there to just go, oh, look at that. You know, it's, it's actually like to stir us. So here's my, my task for today. I want to talk about those promises that we're going to discover in Genesis so that every time, for the rest of your lives, every time you see the rainbow, I want these promises to come back to mind. That's why God put it there. Not just to have an end in and of itself to see the rainbow, but for the rainbow to anchor us into some beautiful, beautiful promises. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I want you to look in Genesis chapter 8, and I'll have these uh, verses on the screen as well. I'm going to start reading for you in chapter 8, verse 20. This is like right after Noah. The flood has just happened. The floodwaters have dissipated. He's coming off the ark, and, and we pick up the story there in 8, verse 20. It says, Then Noah... Coming right out of the ark, Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took every kind of clean animal and every kind of clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled a pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I'll never again curse the ground because of human beings, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. And I'll never again strike down every living thing as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. The fear and terror of you will be in every living creature on the earth, every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the ground, all the fish of the sea. They're placed under your authority. Every creature that lives and moves will be food for you. As I gave the green plants, I have given you everything. However... You must not eat meat with its lifeblood in it, and I will require a penalty for your lifeblood. I'll require it from any animal and from any human. If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Whoever sheds human blood by humans, his blood will be shed. For God made humans in his image. But you, be fruitful and multiply, spread out over the earth and multiply on it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, understand that I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that's with you, birds, livestock, wildlife on the earth that are with you, all the animals of the earth that came out of the ark. 
I establish my covenant with you that never again will every creature be wiped out by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all future generations. I have placed my bow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I'll remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. Water will never again become a flood to destroy every creature. The bow will be in the clouds and I will look at it and I'll remember the permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I establish between me and every creature on earth. This is God's word. So guys, here's what I I, I want us to do. To really think about this. Sometimes we can let stories like this, Noah, Ark, Rainbow, kind of almost fade into like lore, fable, children's story kind of a thing. I want you to know, not at all. This is a real, real happening historical event, and that rainbow is to lock us into some very real promises. And the first one, I believe this. And so here's what I'm saying every time you see a rainbow, I want you to see the rainbow, do your awe, awesome. Everybody look, look, look. And then I want you to remember this first thing. We are to be a colony of worshipers living in a kingdom of death. Say that again. We are to be a colony of worshipers living in a kingdom of death. You're like, where on earth do you get that out of this? Well, here's the thing. Understand that the whole setting of this passage has Noah stepping out from the ark, and the very first thing he does is worships. Now, you guys, sometimes we imagine Noah getting off the ark and all of a sudden he's stepping like into this flourishing Eden-like garden or something. No, guys, have you ever been around where a flood has just taken place? Like the stench and reminder of death and judgment and desolation was all around. Now, there was a fresh start for sure, but it was not, he was not unaware of what had just happened, right? Noah was fully aware of what had just transpired. And even though kind of the smell of death and decay was maybe still around, when he began to worship, it says God could smell the aroma, right? It's like whatever other stench might have been coming up from the earth at that point. No, no, no. God, it's like paused and just watched his son Noah worship him. And that's all that filled the nostrils of God kind of... Uh, the imagery there, right? Guys, Noah was not blind to sin and death. It was everywhere. In fact, remember what it says in, in, back in chapter 8. The, he says, the, uh, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward, that is going to be true all the way through to this present day. In other words, even within the Bible. Guys, we're going to turn a page next week. We're going to see this. Oh, here, right here, fresh start. Oh, the, Judgment has come, new life. Oh, let's, let's make everything happy on the earth again. No, 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 we turn a page and there's a global like rebellion against God, like one page from here, okay? And that's gonna be true through all of time. Every inclination of the human heart is going to lean toward sin and evil from this point and onward. Noah was aware of that and yet he worshiped. Noah could see the devastation of judgment, yet he worshiped. He knew that things were not going to just be rosy, you know, from this point on, yet 
he worshiped. As long as the earth endures. Look at that in verse 22. Very last part of, of chapter 8. As long as the earth endures. Seed time, harvest, cold, and heat. Like this is, cycles are going to come. Cycles are going to go. The life, life of this earth is going to go on. And, and sin and death are going to be there. But we have to be worshipers. Guys, I, I, can't, I can't implore you strongly enough, guys. We have to learn to worship in all seasons at all times. We have to. In fact, I, I do want to invite you, like Lauren has just done, I want to invite you to come Saturday night. Saturday night, this place, we, let's fill this place with worshipers singing the songs that Veritas Church has, has written about the Lord, and let's learn to sing them together, and let's come and fill this place. Let's let these guys teach us how to worship, right? Because I'm telling you, no matter what happens this week, that's next Saturday, a lot's going to happen between now and then. Tuesday, a little bit of an election going on, right? It doesn't matter what happens this Tuesday. You know what our response needs to be? Worship. If we find out that another nation takes on another nation and another war breaks out, you know what we're going to do? We're going to see that. We're going to nod along and be like, I'm going to choose to worship right now. Whatever happens in your personal life, bad, good, whatever, storms, rainbows, they're going to come and go. We're going to be people of worship, right? Because that's what he's saying. He's saying, oh yeah, storms are going to come and, and then all of a sudden the, the, the light's going to break through and there's sunshine and a rainbow and you're going to be like, oh sweet, only to make way for another storm and another, you know, and then rainbows. And this is the way it's going to go. Good and bad, always coming our way, seasonal, this and that. Through it all, guys. Let's be worshipers. A colony of worshipers living in a kingdom of death. We look and see it. We, we see it. We don't have our head in the sand. Understand things are dark and bad. We choose to worship. Okay. When you see the rainbow hanging over Iowa City next time, remember that. Be a worshiper. Break out in song. Make weird everybody out. Just start singing wherever you are. Start worshiping God when you see that rainbow. Okay. Next thing, though, here's what we're also to remember. Guys, we are to love, not hate, all of our neighbors. This is what this rainbow is supposed to do. You... You and I, we have to learn to love, not hate all of our neighbors. Where do I get that? Well, because God says life is precious. Every human being, precious. Sacred even. Look at verse 6 of chapter 9. It says, whoever sheds human blood by humans, his blood will be shed for God made humans in his image. Be you, be fruitful. Multiply, spread out over the face of the earth. Multiply on it, right? He's saying life is sacred. Even though he's just said in 821, Every inclination of every one of those humans' hearts <laughs> bends toward evil. Still, they are precious. They are sacred. We're to protect them. That means the preborn child is sacred and is to be protected. The elderly who seemingly don't have anything more left in them to contribute to you and me, still, they are image bearers. God made them. They are to be protected. They are to be nurtured. In fact, the more kind of... Uh, fragile that life is, the more our impulse should be to help them, right? When we were in Africa, we, we see this all the time. One of this uh, kid's name is Marvelous, Marvelous Mwape. Polio, racked with polio, such a preventable disease. But not in Zambia, just racked with, 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 with just infirmities around his body and to help him even have a bathroom that he can get into some, with dignity, be able to, right? I'm just saying we should be leaning toward Helping especially the weakest, but more than that, guys, the righteous and the unrighteous. We're to love them all. We're to try to protect them all. We're to see their lives as sacred. Now, here's the thing. Um, 
this is a truth that is so deeply anchored in the scripture that Jesus repeats this. So if, if you want to go with me to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and I'll, again, I'll have these, uh, on this, these verses on the screen as well, but Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, it's almost like Jesus is picking up the pen from Noah and, and driving it home even deeper when you get to the Sermon on the Mount. Listen, listen to this. Jesus says this. You know, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, let me pause for a second. The love your neighbor part is in the Bible. He's actually quoting the book of Leviticus here and several other passages throughout the Bible. That second part, hate your enemy, um, that's actually something the people had tacked on. (laughs) God never said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. They tacked that on. But he said, oh, you've heard it said. Like, that's how we roll, right? Love the people that are lovely toward you and hate the people that are hateful toward you, right? That's, that's, That's an adage. That's how we live our lives. But he says, oh, No, I tell you, verse 44, but I tell you, no, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. Sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Doesn't that sound just like Genesis 8? Seasons are going to come, seasons are going to go. Rains are going to come, rains are going to go. And that's going to happen on the evil and the good all around. Guys, show Jesus saying, show that you really are a follower of this Father in heaven. Show that you really are an adopted son of your Father in heaven. Love, don't hate all people, even evil people. Even enemies demonstrate that you are truly a child of your heavenly father. And you guys, I know it. I get it. You're saying, dude, do you know how bad things are getting right now? How long are we? That sounds so Christian cliche. Just love everybody, right? Do you know how bad those people are out there? They don't love God and they don't love us and they're coming after us and and things are getting bad and things are heating up and how long when they're so opposed to God are we supposed to love them? Well, God has an answer for that question, right? Many times over, but I'm going to go to this passage in 2 Peter chapter 3. And the reason is, this time he answers that question in 2 Peter 3. We don't have time for it, but the whole chapter is actually anchored in the Noah flood scenario. So maybe in your connection group or on your own, go back and read all of 2 Peter 3. After talking about the flood, again, here's what he says, though, in 2 Peter 3, verse 8. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Look, the Lord doesn't delay his promises. Some understand delay. No, no, no. He's patient. He's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Guys, the reason that we pray for unrighteous people, even enemies, is because we want to show the kind of patience that our Father in heaven has. We want them to come to know Jesus. We want them to be forgiven. We want them to no longer be enemies but friends. We want to welcome them into our family. We want them to know Jesus Christ. Yeah, things are getting bad. Yeah, there's enemies out there. There's bad guys roaming all about. Yep, since the days of Noah, this has been true. But how do you and I respond? We worship, and then we begin to love people, and we begin to point them to Jesus. Guys, I'm telling you, every soul in Iowa City, well, most people in Iowa City saw that same rainbow. How many of them actually had thoughts about Jesus because of that rainbow? Probably very few. You know why? Because you haven't told them about him yet. 
They, they haven't connected the dots because you, you and I, we haven't told them. This is our opportunity in the patience of God not to be hateful toward those who are even hating on us. Instead, to love them and love them enough to point them to Jesus Christ. So every time you see that rainbow, think, man, there's some people who need to know Jesus. Who do I need to go tell about Jesus? Right? That's, that's what the rainbow is supposed to do for us. His covenant is with all. You, you go back to Genesis, like, hey, this is a unique covenant. It's not just with you, Abraham. Not just with you, David. I'm making this covenant with the whole earth. Because in my patience, I want all to come to repentance. Who do you know that needs to hear about Jesus? Let's tell them this week, right? Okay, the last thing back in Genesis 9 um, when you see the rainbow hanging over Iowa City next time, um, here's what we need to remember. Man, we need Jesus. <laughs> this I know it sounds really simple. I'm a simple dude. Uh, we need Jesus. And here's why. There's kind of a bummer postscript to this story about Noah. Like if it could have just ended where we ended the reading, you'd be like, ah, oh, sweet. No, it's kind of a bad postscript. So this, this is what happens right after God. Rainbow, promises, beauty, you know, angels singing, verse 18. Okay, so Noah had these sons. He came out of the ark with him, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were Noah's sons. From them, the whole earth was populated. Noah, as a man of the soil, began planting a vineyard. He drank some of the wine. He became drunk, uncovered himself. Inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked, told his brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a cloak, placed it over the, both their shoulders, walked backward, covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned away, and they didn't see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his drinking and learned what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Canaan is cursed. He will be the lowest of slaves to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. Let let God extend Japheth, let Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem, but oh man, let Canaan be Shem's slave. Noah lived 350 years after the flood. Noah's life lasted 950 years, then he died. Guys, you're just thinking, what? Oh man, Noah, such a good guy. Oh, I wish I didn't know this about him, right? I mean, this is the guy back in, in, in chapter 6 when God's looking over the whole earth. He said about Noah, hey, Noah found favor with the Lord. He's a righteous man. He's a blameless man. Among all of his contemporaries, Noah walked with God. Like, this is the dude. Man, if anybody's going to give us a fresh start, if, if there's a hero anywhere, it's got to be Noah, right? Above all the people in there, man, he, he's on the top, man. That, that's our dude. I'm, I'm going to follow Noah. He's going to lead us into all goodness. And man, the next thing you know, the dude's getting drunk and naked in his tent. What? What? It's shameful, right? Then one of his sons, it must be kind of snickering, doing, you know, I, I don't know what was going on. Something bad, obviously. In the, way. the other two sons, kind of to give their father dignity, whatever. This, it's just a mess, right? It's just ugly. It's just a mess. Guys, I'm telling you, there is not a human on this earth that is going to win the day the way that we want someone to win the day for us. Nobody's going to set things right for us that has this kind of flesh and blood like you and me have. Every inclination of your heart and mine bends toward evil since the days of our youth. That's what the Bible says, right? We are always going to be disappointed with leaders. 
Guys, even pastors, and I hate this that this is true, we're seeing them drop like flies. I'm telling you, put your hope, oh, that religious guy, that righteous guy, oh, I'm going to hook my wagon to him. That, now that's, I, I can trust that dude. And you know what? They're all going to disappoint. Maybe not Brian Dermody. He might not. But the rest of us, we're all at some point, you're just going to be disillusioned, right? I hate that. I don't want that to happen. But I'm just telling you, there's not a human on this earth because my blood and your blood, they all, it, it pulses the same. It, it inclines us toward evil. That's what the Bible says. Guys, this coming Tuesday, big election, right? Big election. I'm telling you, every politician is going to disappoint you. Every one. Every single one. Guys, how many texts do I need to get from these dudes trying to get me to stop, stop? I keep hitting stop thinking it will universally stop. Oh, apparently not because they just keep flooding my phone. Stop, 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 right? Yeah, yesterday, I'm, I'm just trying to watch football. I'm just trying to enjoy my son, watch some football, and all these bam, 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 all these, you know, advertisements. And isn't it funny? It's almost comical. It's almost like satire. They make the one that they want you to vote for look like they're in, like, a beatific vision or something, like the most glorious human on the planet. And then when they show the dude or man or woman they're up against, it's, like, monstrous. You're like, oh, help us, God, not to have that, you know, like... It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Here's what I'm telling you. Even the ones with the oh, beatific vision, all are going to disappoint you. The good ones are not going to be nearly as good as you want them to be. The evil ones are not going to be as monstrous as you think they might be, right? The only one that's going to fully set things right is Jesus. He's the only one, right? We, we have got to like kind of settle into what he's saying day and night, spring and summer, rain and flood and storms and rainbows are going to keep going. Here's my appeal to you based on this, just because we're in this cultural moment where a couple days from now we've got this big election. Guys, vote responsibly. Be a good citizen. We do live in a country where we, we actually can choose our next elected officials, right? Do that. I've got some homework to do even between now and then because I, I really want to vote smartly. I, I want to be wise. Okay, so do that. I'm saying that, but here's what I'm also saying. Stop imagining that your candidate of choice will bring in the kind of world that you imagine. You will be disappointed over and over and over again because Jesus is the only one who will finally bring in a day of righteousness. Guys, um, this last week, I don't know if you're doing the same Bible read-through that I am. Some of you are. But a few days ago, we got to Jeremiah 29. Let me, let me read for you from Jeremiah 29. So this is at a time many years from Noah. And the people have gotten really bad again. They've been sent into exile. Now they're in Babylon. They've been taken kind of hostage to Babylon. And here's what uh, the Lord is saying. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles that I deported. Now, note this. I deported you. This is God speaking. I put you there. You're not exiles because the bad Babylonians came in. You're in exile because I put you there. Okay? It says this. Build houses. Live in them. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. And then this. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it thrives, you will thrive. You know, you get to the New Testament and this whole imagery of being exiles, that's 
for all of us, right? In the New Testament, we're all called exiles. Guys, we all live in Babylon, right? We all live in Rome, and Rome is burning. That is true. Do you know how bad it is out there? Yeah, I do. It's been Babylon and Rome since the times of Noah. You know what we're supposed to do? Pray for our communities. Pray for our state. Pray for our city. Pray for our nation. Why? So that we can thrive and tell more people about Jesus. That's why. Not so we can get the life that we've always deserved or the life that, you know. No, no. It's so that we can thrive. As the people around us thrive, we thrive. Last passage I'm going to refer, and then we're going to be done. Back to that passage in 2 Peter I was telling you about that kind of anchors its teaching in the flood. Now here's what he says. Remember, remember in Genesis 8 and 9, God said, I'm never going to destroy the world by flood. But he is going to bring this world to an end, just not by flood. And here's what he says. 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come, and like a thief, like you, you won't see it coming. That day of the Lord is going to come, and it'll come like a thief. On, the, on that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Now, guys, since that day is yet to come, since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be, you and I, in this day, right now, because that day hasn't come. How should we be? In holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, his promise, we're going to see in the rainbow, his promise, we wait for a new heavens, a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, now lean in right now. Here's what, therefore, if that's true, do you believe that? If that's true, therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. Do you think all those candidates want you to be at peace right now? No. Guys, they want you to be pulling your hair out in fear, right? They want you to be so agitated that you just think, we've got to bring this to the, you know. Here's what God says. Hey, actually, um, it'd be great if you got some good leaders. You should do that. But they're, they're going to disappoint you too. I'm going to bring a kingdom that will never disappoint, full of righteousness and justice and peace. Until that comes, here's what you should be doing. Not get agitated to try to force that into happening right here, right now. No, no, no. No, it's never, you're, you're in Babylon, okay? You're in Babylon. You should be praying that you live a life of godliness in Babylon. You should be praying for your neighbors that they could actually become sons and daughters and fill this place on Saturday night with their voice worshiping the one true God. One day the curtain will fall and it'll be over, but we're not in that day right now. So, so pray Pray for your soul that you would walk in a way that has integrity and holiness and virtue and, and, and honors the Lord and that we can bring more and more people in where righteousness dwells and live in peace. Not agitation. Live in peace. So guys, every time you see the rainbow, okay, yeah, have your moment. You guys, oh, get your, get your camera out, whatever, you know, like take it in and then all of a sudden be like, wait a minute, that rainbow I think God wants me to think about some stuff. Let it be that you begin to worship. Yeah, that was a bad storm. Whoo, man, there's a, but man, there's the rainbow. God, God is for me. I'm going to worship him.
Let it remind you to love, not, not hate, not be filled with hate. Even people that are haters. No, you don't. You overcome hatred with love, forgiveness. And let that rainbow remind you, we need Jesus. And so does your neighbor. And so does your enemy. We need Jesus. And he has come for us. So let's, let's stand up together. Guys, let's, let's pray to him. The one that made these promises, the one that made that rainbow, we have access to him. Incredible. Let's pray to him. Jesus, thank you for putting that rainbow in the sky because, Lord, we need constant reminders of your love, of your faithfulness, your promises, hope. Because, Lord, you've not pulled any punches. You've let us know there's, there's more storms coming. There are. And there's more, more, more bad people. They're going to do more bad things, and that, that's going to be true. But, Lord, it all just causes us to want to be home. Your home, the place where righteousness dwells. And thank you, Jesus, that you came for us. You didn't just let us go our way. You didn't just let us get what we deserve. That's, in fact, that's what we want for other people. We just want them to get what they deserve. That's not the way you treated us, Lord. You didn't give us what we deserved. You gave us your love, your forgiveness. Fresh start. Oh, Lord, not only help us to embrace that, but to offer that to all those that surround us. God, please transform us. Please change us. And Lord, fill this place with worship because you deserve it, Lord. You deserve our just full-throated worship. We love you. And it's because you first loved us. In Christ's name.